Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just want to let you know that it's been almost 20 years since that trip was canceled. So you should probably rebook that. And I just get tickled pink whenever someone responds to me when I just randomly reach out to them. I never said that. Hear, hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. Do you know what I mean? They're like, you know, one plus one equals three. I'm like, it surely doesn't. I spent my whole life being told one plus one does not equal three. I, I don't care if we stuff up. We, we can learn from it. I'm not going to pay you to stuff up too many times, though. Welcome to another great episode of Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. We have a great guest on with us today. Awesome. I'm so excited to have Lenore Johnson on our podcast. I reached out to her on Instagram and she responded and, and I just get tickled pink whenever someone responds to me when I just randomly reach out to them. But let me tell you about how awesome Lenore Johnson is. Lenore Johnson, owner of Lynn Joe Pakes in Kitchener, Ontario, first realized her passion for baking while pursuing a degree in mathematics. She attended the pastry arts program at George Brown College, followed by Eco National Superior de Pastore in Yinsic, France. <laughs> I had a buddy who's fluent in France. I know I destroyed that to all our French listeners, but I am so sorry. But then while working at the restaurant in neighboring Monsieur Lorraine, after hours, working hours, various high-profile Michelin-starred restaurants in England, she moved to Waheke Island, New Zealand. She's all over the globe, working at Goldie Estate Winery as a pastry chef. This provided the opportunity to operate Lynn Joe Bakes as a pop-up bespoke cake studio, serving the island for nearly, nearly two years. A move back to Ontario to teach in Conestoga, college baking and pastry arts program meant a search for a part, permanent home for Lynn Joe Bakes. Today, Lynn Joe Bakes is an award-winning bespoke cake studio and retail bakery specializing in crafting and designing buttercream cakes for all occasions. I'm getting my mouth is watered. I can't wait to get some of that. <laughs> Lynn Joe Bakes is currently transitioning their pop-up the shed into a cafe space located right on King Street in the village of St. Jacobs. In addition to her own entrepreneurial passions, Lenora is encouraging other entrepreneurs as a venture coach within the liftoff program facilitated by the Caribbean Canadian Association of Waterloo Region, as well as Conestoga College Venture Labs. Lenora continues to work towards refining her palate and further developing a global <laughs> view on pastry, seasonality, and sustainability. Wow, such an impressive life. It's like, tell me, I mean, I, I think you're our first guest who's been from New Zealand. Just tell me, uh, and, and tell me, I mean, for example, I was thinking of the Paragathene Theorem and mathematics, and then you got a cake on there. I'm like, well, what's the dimensions and what's the <laughs> ratio of the a letter or my imaginary number of this cupcake how do you go from deep level mathematics into pastry help us understand that amazing journey yeah so you know firstly yours is not the first random instagram message that i have responded to that's turned into something really cool um so one other special. time you listen <laughs> i never said that Hear, hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the first time, the first time was actually uh, 
they were recruiting for a, a judge on a baking show on TV. And uh, it was a, a message through Instagram. And I was like, man, this is random. I'm sure it's spam. I'm just going to ignore it, whatever, whatever. And it was like only months later, my friend was like, hey, did you ever do anything with that TV show email? I'm like, nah. And so she looked up this person on LinkedIn and uh, this person's a legit producer. They've produced all of the seasons of Top Chef Canada. Like you should wow. respond. And I did. And, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. So now when I get a random Instagram message, I am wary, right? Um, I am wary. I did ask for a website. I'm like, you need to give me some background on you before I say yes. Uh, but I, I almost always say yes because it usually ends up, it usually ends up turning out good. Um, how do you get from math to baking? Well, here's the thing: the reason I loved math so much was because I loved baking, and you can't really do the one without the other. Is it a practical or an applied application of baking? Yeah, for sure. It, or mm -hmm. sorry, of math. Yeah, for sure it is. Um, but I was also interested in just like how math works. Like that is so interesting to me. I loved watching my professors like doing proofs on the chalkboard. Cause I'm just like, they're like, you know, one plus one equals three. I'm like, it surely doesn't. I spent my whole <laughs> life being told one plus one does not equal three. And then you go and you see them solving these matrices and like, and this equals one and this equals two and da, 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 and this is one and this was one to start. And you're like, we, we agree with all of these things. All these things are true in fact. And they're like, and then therefore one plus one equals three. And you're like, oh my God, it does equal three. <laughs> I, you know, that to me is just mind boggling. Who who came up with it in the first place? Who started it? Uh, so yeah. for me, it was really just returning to uh returning to, to my roots. It wasn't something that was um, a huge departure for me because it felt really natural. I, I learned math by baking. Um, mm. And then now I'm a better baker because I've been able to explore that math aspect a little bit more as well. Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. I, I like how you tied that together. So when you say bakery, you're talking about like the K-pops or pop-ups. Do you do pies, cakes, uh, wedding mm -hmm. cakes, uh, event cakes or all types of what, 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 what's, what's your specialty? Yeah. So when we started, we wanted to be um, a wedding, exclusively making wedding cakes. I wanted to be a wedding cake studio. And then on like Fridays and Saturdays, we'd like fire up the espresso machine and do like Kiwi or like New Zealand style coffee. I'm actually Canadian, but I just lived in New Zealand for two years. Um, do like Kiwi style coffee. Uh, Cause that's where I learned how to be a barista. So that's what I know best. And uh, yeah, just do that for two days out of the week, just because we're the, where we're located, there's like a whole neighborhood around us. I didn't want to just be this business that functioned in the neighborhood, but didn't serve the neighborhood at all. Like not everybody's getting married every day. And uh, you know, we do make other occasion cakes as well, like birthdays and anniversaries and things like that, but it can be quite an investment. And I didn't want people to just come to us like once a year, um, if that for like one special cake, I wanted them to be like, Man, you know what? The best chocolate chip cookie I ever got in my whole entire life was just around the corner because then they'll come all the time yeah. for that chocolate chip cookie and probably like, you know, a bunch of other things. And and I just wanted to make what I wanted to make. That was the plan. We opened Valentine's Day 2020. So although my plans were well laid, <laughs> the universe was like, ah. wait a minute. Like, <laughs> Pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so four weeks after we opened, remember we were open, only open to the public two days a week. So we had eight trading days. And then they were like, lock it down, sis. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was like, no, oh. nope, I will not because we just opened and we have bills and it cost me a bunch of money, uh, most of which was not mine in order to get started. Locking yeah. it down is not an option. What else can I do? 
And they're like, if you're serving, you have to serve through a takeout window. And I'm like, well, my goodness, we have a window. It's in the back. It's not easily accessible and it's not great. We're going to turn it into something. And we served out of that takeout window for nine months. Wow. And that way we wow. were able to keep going. So we did not have to stop operating. But it did mean that like my friends and family had been coming in and like helping to serve and things like that. That stopped. So it was just me. I was one going standing in line at, at grocery stores to get the things that I need, watching people roll out with TVs when all I was trying to do is get some flour and yeast. Um, and <laughs> and uh, I would serve and, and bake. And so we had to expand our retail offerings, obviously, because now we're having no event cakes at all. Um, so now, you know, we make cinnamon rolls and chocolate babkas and French macarons and brownies and squares and little varins, which are desserts in a jar and individual mini cakes and cookies. Um, I'm sure I'm missing things, mini hand pies. So everything we do is pretty much individually sized. Um, so like little mini hand pies and like homemade pop tarts. And, you know, we're making absolutely everything from start to finish. So in our pop tarts, like we make the dough, we make the jam that goes inside, we make the icing and we put it all together and, and serve it. So wow. we're, we're pretty much a retail bakery. And now we're starting to get back into weddings as they become um, allowed and, and birthday cakes and we do grab and go cakes now. And now we have a cafe out in St. Jacob's. So we do like light savory options there, like lunches and things like that. So uh, wow. it seems like we do it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting, Lamore, is, is you're sharing all the things you guys are doing in terms of what you're making and things like that. Like Smiley said, my mouth is watering. Do you guys do any delivery <laughs> services? Can, can I place an order for delivery? <laughs> I mean, you, you can like place shipping. an order online. <laughs> we don't. You know what? I, I get this question a lot. We don't ship, mostly because product is best like it's the tough. day that it's made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 two like Canada Post, it's like their goal is to play football with every parcel oh. that comes into their hands. So yeah. they're just yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a whole. They're the upside like, down cake will literally be an yeah, upside down cake. Very yeah. very this and and I just yeah. I don't trust them. I don't trust sure. anybody. Uh, yeah yeah, unless they are my employee. Um, yeah to handle, handle our goods. Uh, in, in and then the freshness aspect of it too. That's, that's huge. That's the yeah. most important thing to me. I don't, yeah. I don't want you to have, I don't want you to have my chocolate chip cookies five days later. That's not the move. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. going to be as delicious as like, wow, the chocolate chips are still melty because they came out of the oven maybe seven minutes ago. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's ideal. Yeah. So I know based on your bio that you've worked in a number of Michelin star restaurants Tell me how you got into that. And maybe for those that aren't aware, um, working at a Michelin star restaurant is significant. Why Why is it so significant? What is a Michelin star restaurant? And then talk about the journey of working at one. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll start by explaining yeah, what, what the system, the whole entire system is. So Michelin uh, is a brand of tires and they created a guide. And essentially this guide was because back in the old days, you didn't have Google Maps or MapQuest or anything like that. Um, and so they were creating and ranking places to eat and places to stay along your journey. So you would get a map and you would look on this little map and it would have, you know, one star and two star and three star. Only goes up to three stars. And a one star is like, if you happen to be in the area, you know, go go check this place out. The lodgings are lovely. The food is beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Two star is like, yeah, you know what? If you're anywhere within the vicinity of this locale, you should probably go. You should probably go to this place. It's incredible. The standards are very high. It's exceptional. 
And then there's the three stars. Like you thought you knew what your destination was, but you're wrong. This is actually your destination. This is the place that you should be heading to. And if along the way you see some other things, amazing. But this is your destination. So that's kind of how um, a, a really simplified version of um, the stars, what they stand for, and kind of where it all started. And this, gosh, I can't even, I don't even remember how old uh, the Michelin Guide is, but hundreds of years. It's been around for ages. And so I always, not always, when I decided um, in my last year of university that I did not want to work in the corporate world because I hated it. <laughs> me, just me personally. There wasn't an aspect of it that I, that I liked. I was like, I'm dressing up, go to work, to press buttons on a computer that does what? For whom it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I seek, I, I get no value out of it. I'm not happy. Um, I just want to do something that makes me happy. Uh, and so I decided that I was going to go to pastry school and pursue this dream that I had. And once I graduated, um, I knew that I wanted to work abroad. I'd learned about the Michelin system. We did not have it in Canada. It actually only just got here last September um, and only in Vancouver and Toronto. It's not even nationwide. And so I was like, I guess I got to go to Europe. <laughs> the Michelin system is in Europe. I guess I got to go there. Uh, my grandparents actually live just outside of London. Um, so I'm like, this is also a great opportunity for me for the first time in my life to live within close proximity to my grandparents. Like an hour on the train is nothing compared to like an eight hour flight. Um, so I'm like, cool, we'll, we'll go and we'll do that. So I moved to England and I was working in um, just a hotel and they said that they were a five star hotel they lied uh and i was like these i can't these standards this no <laughs> i can't be in here doing this where i'm yeah. like oh we need more sugar and they're like oh you can't have any more sugar because it's the end of the month and we have to like meet our quotas for money or whatever and i'm like what, what? you're asking me to make cupcakes without sugar like we'll run to the store and get you sugar for your cupcakes i'm like what kind of backwater anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't matter I? so uh-huh very this very this. And it's funny because the clientele were paying so much money oof, for nothing. Anyway, neither here nor there. I don't work there anymore. Um, <laughs> and so I was like looking around and I'm like, I need a new job and I want to work in a Michelin star restaurant. And it so happened that literally the next town over, just 20 minutes away, uh, they were hiring a chef de partie, which is, um, or a demi chef de partie, which is like just above the level of like kitchen slave, essentially, right? You have to call me as the person that does like the least. They, they do all the grunt work. They're taking out the garbage bins. They're like washing everything. They're peeling all the fruit, whatever. And one step up from that, <laughs> they were hiring a demi chef to party. You know, a lot of responsibility and no credit. Okay. That's, that's okay. what it is. Okay. And okay. they were specifically looking for somebody in pastry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to apply. This is going to be like the greatest thing ever. And so I applied, um, and I went in for an interview and they're like, cool, interview is on like Thursday, like 7 a.m. Got to be here at 7 a.m. That's when we start. I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds fine. I arrive at 7 a.m. They're giving me all these tasks and I'm, I'm doing them. They're like, they're like, scale everything first and we'll come and double check it. I'm like, okay, no problem. So we're, I'm, I think I started with bread. And so, you know, yeast and milk, I put that together, temp the milk, scaled all my flowers together because I knew it was all going to get together and blah, blah, blah. Everything's organized. It's okay. I've scaled. And they're like, oh, you scaled it all correctly and together with the things that needed to be matched. I'm like, yeah. You're like, uh, yeah, that's what you're asking. Is that, me, not, right? is that not what I'm supposed to do? I get people like, oh, we've, we've just never had anyone who's actually only known how to make pastry apply for a pastry job. Usually pastry, especially in a Michelin star restaurant, most fine dining actually, is like how you get your foot in the door. 
you don't have to be good at it. You just have to be competent enough before you can accelerate out of pastry and into real cooking. That's how it's seen. But pastry is all I do. I'm like, I'm like, break down a fish. I don't know how to do that. I can peel a yeah. carrot, right? Because I do that at home. But like, you want me to fillet <laughs> a fish? I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I don't cook. You want me to like make a consomme? I can't help you. But I will separate the eggs for you so that you can use the whites as a raft. I, that's all I can. That's all I can do. My contribution in the kitchen in the in the savory world is very limited. But pastry is something I did well. Um, and so after a 16 hour interview. Wow. I was offered the job. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was offered the job. And that was their normal, their normal work day. So wow. well, from Tuesday Tuesdays we started late. Tuesdays we started at 8 30, which was nice because we only had a half mm. day. We didn't do lunches. We only did dinners on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday started at seven. Um, and worked until at least eleven thirty every night, except on the weekends. Friday we worked probably till 1 30 and Saturdays until 2, 2 30 because we had to clean everything down. And it's a standard that you can't equate unless you know it. So from the customer to the folks who are working in the back, every little thing, you don't have to wonder about anything. You can think, oh, I need, oh, I'm about to do this. I need, and it will appear. That's the level of service. You don't have to think about anything. Everything is perfect. Like the carpet is the cushiest carpet you've ever (laughs) stepped on in your entire life. The seats are the most comfortable that you've ever, the lighting is perfect. The menus are great. And then the food is exceptional in terms of flavor, in terms of presentation, in terms of how it's made. Um, And I learned an incredible amount, um, both in like, you know, determination because every day you show up and you have to be perfect. And you can't be less perfect than you were the day before. You have to be perfect, perfect. And that takes a lot in order to do the same thing over and over again and still be perfect every Ooh. time. Complacency, you don't know her. You've never met her. You wouldn't, you, you could write, see her and be like, oh, you're a stranger to me. It, yeah. it can't happen. Um, and they demand that of you. And, um, you know, <clears throat> people, they try to say, you know, our kitchen's really as bad as like Gordon Ramsay and whatever. I'm like, Gordon is nice compared wow. to some of these other situations that you're in. And especially being a woman, I was one mm-hmm. of two. The mm-hmm. other woman worked in pastry with me. Her name is Jen, mm-hmm. but she knows how to cook. That's the difference. Jen can do anything. And I'm okay. like, I know how to make sweet things. So if you need to yeah. do anything else, you're going to have to teach me and teach me like I'm dumb. Because <laughs> I'm like, right. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, and then to be a person of color as well, it was, nobody looked like me. Nobody looked like me. So it was, it was, it was, it was challenging. And after I moved on from that Michelin star um, restaurant, it was a whole sequence of events, but I ended up coming home for a little bit. My dad um, was incredibly ill and I didn't go back to, to the UK for a few months. Um, And when I came back, I applied at a, at a luxury hotel, five-star luxury hotel in the center of London in Soho. And I showed up for my first day. I'd already been hired. I showed up for my first day. And someone, I was like, hey, I'm here to see the pastry chef. And, and they're like, okay, we'll call down. They called down. And I waited, I waited, I waited. And I'm like, hey, somebody's supposed to be coming to get me because mm. uh, my job is going to begin. And now I'm late, even though I'm here. <laughs> so I, gotta, uh, I don't know where to go. So someone's got to help me. And they're like, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll call someone. And they call this gentleman up and he comes up and I'm like, ah, pastry chef is a woman. And he's like, oh, you're not here as a kitchen porter? And a kitchen porter is the person that washes dishes. And the person at security assumed that because I was black, (laughs) I was there to wash dishes because that's all the other black people. That's what they did. They worked in sanitation, all of them. 
even everybody. I'm like, no, I'm here because I'm a pastry chef. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I work. I'm I'm here to make things. Uh, I'm not here to and and no shade to those other folks who were right. doctors and dentists and right. and whatnot in their own countries and they were here striving to make something work to take care of their family back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just the it was just the assumption. So like that's what it was that's what it was like at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of quality of product and and just innovation and, and what we did on a regular and consistent basis, it inspires what I do now. And it's why I mm. hold myself to such a high standard because why not? You don't have to go to a Michelin star restaurant to get Michelin quality food. You just have to have someone who's committed to excellence and mm. excellence every time. And that's, that's what, that's why I'm committed to. And, you know, every day I strive to be perfect <laughs> and just as perfect as, as the day before it. And it's not, it's not common. You don't see it a lot. So yeah, basically that's a rundown of, of, of that. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So a c- couple things stood out to me when, when you shared that, that story, the journey to working in a Michelin star restaurant. And by the way, was it a one, two or three star restaurant? The one that you worked in? It was just a one star and it was hard. Wow. I don't know how those folks were out there doing two and three stars. I'm like, I'm working 80, 85, 90 hours a week. And y'all are out there working a hundred, 110 hours a week. And it could wow. So, we, so um, my, one of my questions that you already answered was going to be, what made you want to strive for that goal of working in a Michelin star restaurant? It's clear. You know, it's like, it's, it's like a uh, surgeon or any physician that wants the best mm-hmm. residency mm-hmm. or fellowship program there is that's out there. That's where you go and you, you realize that, you know, hey, I'm going to be challenged like I've never been challenged before. I'm going to develop skills. Yeah. That I, I, I'm going to realize a new capacity I didn't realize I had. That's clearly what you yeah. got from that experience. Also, something that stood out to me is the interview process. So being from corporate America, my thought was, well, you go in, talk to a couple of people, and they see if they like you. You show your resume. I was talking to someone yesterday about how you know the whole interview process today, I think it's flawed because the whole mm-hmm. idea is that for, for corporate jobs, you go in there, you show your best self, for an hour, two hours, maybe three, and you have the best resume. So, you know, anyone can, you know, you know, make their best self show up for that short period of time. Absolutely. I love the idea of, and I don't know how, how this would transition into the corporate world, but okay, so you're here for the pastry job. Let's see you work, you know, make it happen. Yep. You know, there's no, you, you can't fake that, you know, you can, yeah. either you can yeah. or you can't, you know, and like you said, yeah. the guy came and I was like, whoa, you actually measured everything out and you're scratching your head like, wait, was I not supposed to measure everything out? <laughs> you know, exactly. so that's, um, that, that's something else that stood out. So the skills you developed from there clearly are being used in, in your own mm-hmm. business. The question I have for you though, is for those that you bring into the, to the uh, shop to work with you right? How challenging is it seeing that, that, because no one's going to have that level of experience that you have and come work for you. Because these are people that are at a different level, which is fine. How challenging is it to kind of get them to kind of believe in, you know, the level of uh, diligence, uh, quality, uh, et cetera, that you have? How how hard is it to, to, to get them to buy into it? How do you do it? Yeah. You know what? It's probably the greatest challenge that we experience. Um, But I think like right now, my team, oh my gosh, I would die for them. I would die for each and every one of them. Each of them, three bakers, 
They've all been with us for more than a year, actually more than a year and a half. Um, and the person that's been with us the longest, Hannah, she's almost at three years. She decided that she wanted to go back to school and become a teacher. And I love that for her. I think she's going to excel in the role. I'm really excited. But now I'm thinking I'm going to have to replace her. <laughs> And I'm dreading it. <laughs> I am. I am dreading it because it is hard to convince someone that like good enough is actually not good enough. It's like, oh, it's good enough. I'm sorry. If you wake up out of your bed to be mediocre, that is fine for you. But you can't do that here. You can't do that here. I, my expectation is not mediocrity. My expectation is actually excellence every time, all the time, because it's what I expect of myself. And I think the best thing is that for everyone that I hire, they see me work and they see me do excellent all the time. And they see me redo things which are not perfect or which are not at a high standard of excellence. And I think that by demonstrating, I'm not just talking about excellence. I'm displaying excellence every time. And like, oh, I made a pot of jam and in the last five minutes of it, it caught a little bit and it doesn't taste as fresh as it's supposed to be. I guess I'm gonna have to get more berries out and I guess I'm gonna have to undertake the entire two hour operation again because that's not good enough. We'll find something to do with that, right? We're not gonna waste, we'll, we'll figure it out. But for the preparation that we wanted where it's supposed to taste like you're biting into the fruit at its prime, that can't be it because it's no longer good enough. But if we're putting it with like chocolate and it's going to be in a brownie and it's okay if it's like a little deeper tasting, that's fine. But for a hand pie and the preparation that we were do using it for, we can no longer use that. It's unacceptable because it's not good enough. And I think them seeing me hold myself to the same standard that I'm asking them um, to hold themselves to, they either come up and they meet the standard, match the standard and maintain the standard, or they don't. And we let them, it's a mutually agreed situation that, that they should probably move on elsewhere. I'm not knocking them and their skills. I'm sure there'll be a place that is great for them, but it's not here with us. Um, so it can be challenging to convince people that like, this is where we operate. When people come into Lenjo Bakes, they expect this and we give them this or more. We never meet them with this. <laughs> if they're expecting this and they come in and they get this, it's a problem. And, you know, it's, it's often that in the beginning, especially when we hire someone, that they'll do something and I'm like, nah, do it like this. Here, let me show you exactly how I want it done. And I'll spend the time and I'll stand there with you. And all of all of my folks, they're like, I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm not that controlling. And they'll they'll crack up. They're like, more. More, what are you talking about? You're like, control freak is you. Look it up in the dictionary. I'm like, it's not control freak, it's setting the standard right. and then letting you go for it. But I don't want you to stray early in the beginning. I don't want to give you too much freedom. So you're like, oh, well, I did this one time and it was fine. No. No, no, I'm sorry, but you can't do that. It has to be exact and it has to be perfect. And we do that every time. And anything less than they'll know. I'll like walk through the fridge or I'll, I'll be looking at containers or I'll see somebody bring something out and be like, hold the phone, who made this? <laughs> what is this? And it's like, oh, you know, it's the blah, blah, blah. And no, you can bring that plate back. That's okay. <laughs> we'll take it and make something else out of it. But out there, it's not going to go. I, I don't care if we stuff up. We, yeah. we can learn from it. I'm not going to pay you to stuff up too many times though. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know that. And I know that as long as we're in agreement that like, we're not going to, we're not going to be, but customers don't need to, customers mm -hmm. don't need to see everything. Everything we make just because we made it doesn't mean that it goes out. It has to be, it has to be good enough. That's, yeah. that's, that's it. And, and there are people who are happy to be challenged 
and happy to not be mediocre. And the pay is not only in money, but it's in the fact that we're like super heckin' busy. And mm-hmm. people come to us because they know they're never going to leave disappointed. Everything's going to be balanced. And it's not going to be super sweet. And it's going to be really fresh. And they're going to know that, like, you know, we went and we picked peaches for three hours just so that we could bring you this peach galette, which tastes like you're biting into a peach galette. Like, it doesn't get better than this. You're like, you're right. It doesn't. And you're welcome. <laughs> King Kong like, has nothing <laughs> on my pies. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It 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 doesn't take that much convincing when the feedback is as great as it is and mm. when customers are as appreciative and when you get comments like, oh my gosh, this tastes exactly like my grandma used to make. And mm. you know, she's passed away 10 years now, and I feel like I'm a child again sitting in her mm. kitchen. That kind of stuff, you can't buy that. You can't recreate that. And it's like, yeah, you did that. Feel how good that makes you feel mm. that you were able to do that for someone. Um, and think about how it would impact your life if that could happen for you. And just know that that's the impact that you're having. At the end of the day, it is just food, right? You're going to consume it. You're going to pass it out a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. It, that is not life not, not life changing. The experience of it, however, can be. Sure. And that's what we focus on. That's sure. Focus on. So, so two things um, come to mind as you share all of that. One is there's absolutely nothing wrong with setting a high standard. You know, some people, you know, see that and, and think, oh, Tiger Mom, you know, that, that's not the case. You know, yeah. everyone has the ability to set their own standard of quality, right? Yeah. So if your quality is here, you know, if it's a high quality, that's fine. People that come into that environment, as long as you express that, hey, here's what I expect. There shouldn't be any problem of, you know, why is she being so whatever? Uh-huh. Uh, something comes to mind is uh, in corporate America, I would use for the team I, that I worked with is, you know, coach people up or coach them out, mm-hmm. right? So my job as a leader is to take those on my team and, and give them the tools and they need to, su- to succeed in that position, but also yeah. prepare them for the next level. If we, me and that individual discover that, okay, you know, this is not the best fit. This opportunity is not the best fit. Then it's my job then to coach them out into the next opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and if it's done correctly, you know, hopefully you can avoid having it be, uh, we would say without a cake, you know, which means that it it was abrupt. It wasn't, (laughs) you know, it was an overnight decision, you know, (laughs) you know, but. But yeah, so you know, you're you setting the goal for your for your business in terms of high standards. I love it, and and uh, it just makes sense. Smiling, you want? Yeah, two things is um one, and I want to I want to ask you about New Zealand. But while we're talking about labor, um, we had someone on the show before, and they, he was in the bus commercial city bus department, and he said it was easier to get someone who had no CDL, no truck driving experience, and train mm-hmm. them the proper way than to have someone who had a CDL and they got to change their bad habits. So yeah. just thinking like, it, would you be better to say someone who had the passion and desire, who just wants to learn, who knows nothing, but then you could train them the right way or someone who's like, Oh, I worked at Capitol grill and I work here at red lobster and let me come in there. And they're just like, man, I got to retrain or what, uh, what's the best one Did you get the best employee from? Yeah. For us, um, our requirement is that you would have had to, go to culinary school, okay. must, had to, had to, had to. 
I don't want to say, you know, hey, can you make me a batch of Chantilly real quick? And you'd be like, sorry, can you tell me what Chantilly is? No, I'm not. Let me tell you what Chantilly is. <laughs> that would be me. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and, I don't think I ever heard. What, what, what is a Chantilly? I, did oh, I say it right? Oh, it sounds like a Chandelier. <laughs> you know what that is. It's, it's that stuff they make in, back in the kitchen. You know what it is. That, 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 that tasty stuff they make. You know, Chantilly. I, I know the name. Next out. time I go to a Michigan regular <laughs> restaurant, I'm going to order a Chantilly because I've no, never had a Chantilly. Don't do it. You're going to embarrass yourself. Don't let me, order let me get two. I, I, I heard they're good. Let me get two of them. I get two Chantilly. With some ice cream. Let me get some ice cream. Or, and, and, and. I'm literally dying. Okay, so for what the listeners Chantilly? at home, I, I, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Chantilly is literally like sweetened whipped cream with vanilla in it. That's, oh. that's all it is. So you can have it with ice cream, but it's usually on top. Or oh, it's used to like <laughs> fill something. I was like, y'all are killing me, dying. Chantilly is a place in France. It's the first place they made the cream, and everyone was like, oh, you're not just using straight straight cream, but you're just whipping. You're actually sweetening it and adding flavor. Wow, revolutionary. Now Chantilly. Okay. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> you guys are like, give me two of them. I'm like, don't do that. You're gonna embarrass yourself. <laughs> well, no, that's that's cool. I understand. That. So they have to have culinary training. That's they good. they do. Yeah. Just just, just just the basics, you know what I mean? Like, I'm happy if somebody is coming from somewhere else as well. I don't think anybody that we've hired that's lasted had any prior experience. We did take someone who had just done, like, one course because they were passionate about it. And they're like, yeah, I think I really want to hack this as a job. No, didn't work. Um, and someone who came in with, like, boasting 20 years of experience. Okay. And uh, yeah, so the best best person for us has like a, a good a good basis. We hired someone who, yeah, was boasting like 20 years of experience. And then I asked them to make a chocolate mousse. And I came and I looked at it and I was like, what happened? And they're like, yeah, well, you like whip your cream till stiff. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't whip your cream till stiff. You whip your cream till just past medium because that's where it has the highest amount of volume. Who told you that you whip your cream till stiff? It's like, this is how I've always done it. I'm like, and this has always been the result. You thought it was fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand what you're saying. If you're going to lie to me, like lie to me well. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like you can't, you can't look me in my face and tell me that this is how you've been making chocolate mousse for 20 years and nobody said boo to you. That's crazy <laughs> to me. It looks like a pile of doo-doo. It does. Uh, you can't tell me otherwise. So we, we mutually agreed. They were like, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure. I'm, I'm just feeling really overwhelmed. I'm like, no, absolutely. 100%. You can absolutely just leave us. Okay. We're mm -hmm. not mad. Um, so it, it, you need a little bit, a little bit of, of knowledge so that I'm not explaining to you the basics because the mm. basics, there's a lot, you know, how to cream your butter and your sugar together. Well, I can't explain that to you. I just need you to know how to do it um, mm -hmm. because it's the basis of every cookie recipe ever and even the basis of some cake recipes. And if you don't know those basics, I can't take the time to train you because I need to train you on how we do things here. And there are 90 steps <laughs> for that. Mm -hmm. And I need you to know these first five. You have to come with that base knowledge. So for us, it is it is easier um, to have someone who's like new, but not like new, new. They might have like some bad habits, but they're not committed. You know, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of, that's kind of our, our sweet spot for sure. No, thank you. So tell me, you, you explained how you went from Canada to London, Europe. How did you transition to New Zealand? I, I'm, in, I'm fascinated with New Zealand because one, that's one of the places I haven't been. And oh, two, you you're the first, I know, and it's a, I was on my way there, and then my trip got canceled. But that's uh, 
That was like in 2005, and I was oh, all boy. excited to go. I know I was excited to go, but how did you? How was baking in New Zealand? Are their palates the same, or was that? A, did you consider like let me go to Senegal, let me go to South Africa, or let me go to Brazil? But you ended up yeah. in New Zealand. How did that happen? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just want to let you know that it's been almost 20 years since that trip was canceled. So you should probably rebook that. What are you saying, Lenore? You shouldn't bring it up. Is that what you're saying, Lenore? You shouldn't bring it up anymore. Back then, back then, I had no no family, no kids. I got a 16 year old now. So you think they don't want to go to New Zealand? (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) When I meet you, I'll tell you about my trip to New Zealand. Yeah, you got it. You got to take a mount. You're 16. That's two more years, and then they're an adult, and they're off to college, and you're never going to have your paws on them again. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta go now. I gotta go. Um. That's so funny. Yeah. So actually, when I was working in London, a friend that I met at at culinary school, she was doing savory and I was doing pastry and we would make a lot of product and we would just do swaps all the time. We'd make bread and she'd make soup. She'd get half my bread. I'd get half her soup. We'd eat. <laughs> it was basically, <laughs> basically what it, what it ended up being because we were both, uh, both poor students as you are. And uh, I told her when I was in London, I'm like, Meg's come and do the same thing I did, which is a, a youth mobility visa, um, which says it's for youth, but it starts at 18. And, and for some countries, I think goes all the way up to like 35, um, especially in Scandinavian countries and things like that. And it takes away a lot of the, the visa requirements because moving from place to place is actually very difficult. Um, it's really hard and it truly is a privilege to be able to go to another country, but a bunch of countries have these um, mutually beneficial agreements where their youth can come to our country and our youth can go to theirs. Um, and basically, it's just a matter of filling up the form, paying the money, and you're usually approved unless you're a criminal um, or unhealthy, which is unfortunate, but whatever. They don't want you to be a burden. Um, and so I was like, Meg's, you know, and she was working somewhere and she really liked it. And, and she's like, I think I might want to travel. And you should definitely quit your job. And you should definitely travel. You should definitely come to London. And she's like, yeah, I thought about it. And I was applying and I was going to apply for London uh, or for the UK. And she's like, and then I saw New Zealand and I thought, ah, I'm going to apply there and see what happens. I'm like, well, you're obviously going to get approved as a working holiday visa. That's how it works. <laughs> and she did, of course, get approved. And she did, of course, move to New Zealand. And I was like, you know, we kept talking about we have to work together. We have to work together. Um, and I knew that I was going to open my own place and I knew that it was only going to be sweet so that she wasn't going to have a chance to work with me. I'm like, now's the time. We need to figure out a time how to work together. So my visa in the UK was ending and uh, she had been in New Zealand for one year. And I'm like, okay, we have to make a decision because it's, you know, in the next year or the next two years, we need to be in a place where we can work together before I start, you know, my own thing. It has to be, has to be now. She was like, yeah, I'm actually working on this island just off the coast of Auckland, about an hour by ferry. And I'm working at a winery and we turn down people for wedding cakes all the time. I'm like, okay, so the next place, after having the restaurant and hotel exposure, I was like, I knew when I went into pastry school, all I wanted to do was make cakes. And it's been reinforced that all I want to do is make cakes. Restaurants, it was cool. And I did it and I excelled. Grateful for the experience. Hotels, same thing. It was cool and I did it and I excelled. Grateful for the experience. I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) I want to make cakes. And I was like, no matter where I go in the world, I want to make cakes. And I, I wasn't quite ready to come home. I wasn't wasn't quite ready to come home. I'm like, I felt like I'd be, I didn't get the real experience that I wanted to. And so she was like, I'll ask my boss if she wants to hire a pastry chef. I'm like, well, it's only the two of y'all and like a helper in the kitchen right now. She's not going to want to bring somebody on exclusively for pastry. I'm like, anyway, 
I'm going to go to bed. You're going to work. I'll talk to you next time we talk. And literally I woke up in the morning and checked my phone. Like my boss looked at your portfolio. I showed her all the photos of your work and she wants to hire you. So just apply for your visa and get over here before October. <laughs> and that was it. And that's how I got to New Zealand. And so my first six months at Golby, um, I was hired by Leslie, who's lovely, uh, one of the best humans. And I made all of the wedding cakes and I was the executive pastry chef. So I made all of the other desserts as well. And I also helped in the culinary side of it, which was great because I'd never done it before. Um, so I was learning all sorts. Um, and where we were, Waiheke is really close to Auckland, but still considered rural because you can only get there by ferry um, or by plane. <laughs> and that's and that's it. So um, it was really interesting to know that like, oh, we didn't get the bread delivered that we were supposed to. We ain't got bread. <laughs> that's it. Oh, we didn't get, you know, these fruits that we were supposed to get. We ain't got it. That's it. <laughs> and it's like, okay. So, you know, we were growing a lot and picking a lot. And, you know, there was a bay tree outside that that's where you got your bay leaves from, which like, I was like, bay leaves come from a whole tree? I thought there was just like a little plant or a bush. Or <laughs> and no, you could like cut down like a limb. We would cut down like a limb of a tree and just bring it into the kitchen to dry so that we would have bay leaves. Um, and all of our citrus came from the winery and all of our olives would get picked and pressed into olive oil. And that's what we served in our picnic baskets. And um, basically, you know, couples would come and be like, yeah, you can make our wedding cake. I would take over and I would do the consultation. I find out what they want. I would make sure I have everything ordered and decide on designs and everything like that. And after one season, she was like, listen, first of all, we're not paying you enough to be turning out <laughs> the works of art that you're turning out. Second of all, we're not charging the customer enough because we don't even want to bother doing the charging. Um, and thirdly, you can do this on your own. We've given you nothing except a space in which to work and you've done everything else. You're basically running your own company. You should go and do this on your own. Um, and that is all I needed to start a pop-up. I went and I found um, a shipping container kitchen, which was a kitchen in a shipping container. Um, and the gentleman was happy to rent it to me for $40 per day that I needed wow. to use it. Um, and I would pay him the $40 and I advertised on advertised. I posted one time in, in Facebook and had an Instagram page set up and I just, it started out pretty slow and then orders just kept rolling in. And before I, I knew it, wow. you know, it was basically my full-time job. And you were by yourself making cakes. Just me. Wow. Yeah, just me, just me. But there weren't that many other people on the Island. There was like two others. And then wow. one of them went skiing in oh. Europe and like broke her back. And all of the weddings that she booked needed to be rebooked, and they all rebooked with me. It was wild. It was wild. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was doing it on the side. I was serving in a restaurant um, for my full time job, and that paid my rent. And this was this just ended up being the money that I used to travel around the country. But it was incredible. It taught me so much. No one gets that real life experience. Like I literally started and ran a business in another country with an input of like a thousand dollars for a mixer. And that was it. Wow. Everything else was being paid for by these folks. I didn't have to meet them and have to. I'm an introvert. So meeting people in person and like having discussions is overwhelming. It, I hate it. It's a part of my job and I do it and I do it well, but I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, they would they would email me. I would ask them a few questions. And even that whole process of how to communicate with a customer, what are the questions I really need to ask them? Because like email chains are 20 emails long or too long. We need three. You reach out to me. I reach out back to you. You say, okay. You send me my money, I deliver your cake. 
problem solved, <laughs> all sorted. And that's how majority of interactions interactions went. In terms of palette and like what the expectations are in New Zealand compared to compared to where I am here in Canada, people in New Zealand are just so chill. They're just so chill. Hey, we're looking for a wedding cake. We want it to taste like this. We love these flavors that you offer. We want it to look like this. I'm like, okay, it'll be this much money. They're like, sounds great. And they send me the money. And then I deliver the cake. And they're like, everything was perfect. Whereas here, they're like, what flavors do you have? It's like, oh, it's on our website. We put it all up there. Yeah, but what flavors are there? Like, you want me to read them to you? Like, <laughs> in North America, this like desire of customer service being like me holding your hand yeah. and leading you to the information, which is readily right. available because you apparently cannot source it for yourself, right. is overwhelming to me. It's actually, I it actually drives me insane. Like, yes. I should have just stayed in New Zealand and I would right. have been totally fine not yeah. having to be like, yeah, so the flavors that we offer, it's like, yeah, but what's your favorite? I'm like, I don't have a favorite flavor because <laughs> it's not my cake. And it's like, well, what right. do you do all the time? It's like everything, every literally every is different. Every person is different. It's like choosing a baby and being like, I don't know, do you want your baby to come out with like ears that look like this or like this or like this or like this? Or like this, or like this. There are 97 million permutations. What do you want? What's your favorite ear shape for your baby? I don't know. Don't ask me that. You can't, you can't ask me that. I have no idea. It's the same for a cake. You know, babies okay. and cakes are exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, so tell me this, um, because solely, solely because of time, because both Smiley and I have a million more questions for you, but um, we're going to kick it into the final four in just a second. Before I do, though, yeah, two quick questions. One, and th these are going to be quick, um, in a sentence or two, how would you describe how you balance the demands of what you do professionally? In your personal life because it sounds like what you're doing professionally takes up the majority of your time so how do you create that balance yeah, yeah i don't that's really okay. simple I don't. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no work-life balance it's all work all work life. I don't right, 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 yeah right, right, i don't right. um yeah i got married in 11 days and we opened Arnie's Cafe. Congratulations. Um, what kind of cake what kind of cake <laughs> are, are you I making don't, the I don't cake know yet. <laughs> I am. I am. I don't know yet. I've only just kind of decided on what I think I want it to look like. Flavor-wise, I mean, I love passion fruit. There'll be passion fruit in the cake. I love funfetti. One of the tiers will be from funfetti. There'll probably be strawberries because they're like just coming into season. Um, and we'll maybe do chocolate as well, just to say that we did. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I have... I don't know. I've not decided, but we're doing a dessert bar because I can't make choices. Yeah. Like trying to choose a favorite. Uh, right. so we're going to have lots of, lots of everything. <laughs> so that balance is yeah. tough. It sounds like that work-life balance. Is tough. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that like, if, if I had just been running my shop, which is, mm -hmm. you know, now three years in, we're kind of running like a well-oiled machine. There's not really much that gets in the way Then it'd be one thing, but our cafe was delayed probably like six, seven months. Um, so what should have opened last year only opened last week. And so all of that work that goes in with setting up a storefront and establishing processes and um, trying to get info out to like a new clientele and very much needing to be in the forefront being like, this is what we do, this is what we do, this is what it's like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm doing that now. Yeah. Um, and it means, you know, I'm up until two in the morning and then go to sleep for a few hours and I'm at the shop at six and I'm running here, there and everywhere trying to sort things out. So balance is tough. My partner is incredibly understanding, but mm -hmm. the, the hope and the goal is that like after this, after this period, we, we get to the point where like I'm home for dinner every night. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, answer emails after he goes to bed, whatever. I don't right, know. Right. <laughs> the fact that your partner is like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and still get married tells me that you found some success in that balance. Another question for you. Yeah. So 
what is it the one what's that one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they did <laughs> that i'm an introvert i don't want to talk to you i will but i'm oh. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's not, and it's not that like, it's not that I don't love people and I don't um, enjoy having conversations with them. And like, I love hearing about your life and, and whatnot, but like, if I'm not careful, the time will run away. And every moment that I spend with you is a moment that I'm taking from myself or from somewhere else or from a task that needs to be done. And if I spend three hours talking, that means you know, at three in the morning, you'll drive by the shop and my car will be there and the lights will be on because I shouldn't have been talking to you. And, and it's at the point where like, you know, an introvert, the thing is that you don't get your, you don't get your energy from talking to people. That's it right. actually exhausts you. That's so right. then when I leave, I'm just like, I enjoy the interaction and I love getting to know my customers. I love spending time with you. Yeah. But then I'm like, I need to like sit down and yeah. like just be alone for a minute. Right. And try to rejuvenate myself so I can continue yeah. on my day. So I think that's, yeah. that's one thing that people would be like, but you talk a lot. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> I, have, a, I have a lot of words, but I only really want to use them when I want to use them. And then other times I don't want to use them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. Real, real, real quick, smile before before you uh, start, start the final four. I was telling my son the exact same thing recently is that, you know, I, I enjoy connecting with people, you know, but I recharge when I, you know, have my, my, my me time. And I was telling yeah. my son that recently someone wanted to go to lunch. And I'm just like, Ugh. like, you know, I have to have a conversation with myself to get myself to want yeah. to be able to do this, you know, because it's it doesn't like it's not exciting. It's not like, you know, so I can I can yeah. I can relate with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. This has been amazing, but let's assume you're gonna have dinner. This is a table of four, you're yeah. in one chair. Who would the other three representatives be at the dinner table and why? The alive or dead? Alive or dead? Other three. Yeah. <laughs> I think this might go back to what I just said. I'd be really happy to eat alone. That's, that's, that's an acceptable <laughs> answer. That's acceptable. <laughs> in, in, my, in my mind, in my mind, I'm like, who is it that I wouldn't have to like entertain? Yeah. Or wouldn't have to like, you know what? It would be it would be my best friends, like the people that I know that we can we can sit there in silence and they're yeah. they're happy to just they're just happy to be around. Like Jen from Australia and Kenzie from here in Canada and like probably Megan, but then like we pull up an extra chair for Stephanie as well. You know, like it would, there's, there's not really, there's not really anyone that I'd want to have that one-to-one. -one I'm happy to read your biography and I feel like, oh, that was, you know, interesting, but it's on my time. I don't, I don't want to, two hours <laughs> over a meal is a commitment. I love it. Yeah. I love it, Drake. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah. What's what's been your greatest success? I don't know. Lots of other people have probably have answers for me. Like I saw friends today, and they're like, "Yeah, congratulations on the shed opening." And I'm like, "Oh, thanks." I guess you know, like it doesn't. I don't know. I um, I don't know if I feel a great sense of success. And it's probably because I've just been looking forward. I've not taken time to look back to see where we've come from. Um. But if there is one thing that I'm really, really, really proud of, it is the culture that I've created at my business in which my employees work. Drama-free, without just being like, oh, we're drama-free. Actually, <laughs> drama-free. Like, everyone is kind to each other. And, like, I mean, it, it doesn't mean we're nice, right? We make fun of people all the time. 
but we're kind to each other and it's a place where people enjoy coming to work. And that's not something that I've always had, but it's always been something that I wanted to create. And I think that we have successfully done that. When someone walks in and they're a part of the team, they're a part of the team. We're not family. We're not going to manipulate you. We're not like, oh my gosh, we do this because we're family. No, we're a team. When you slack, I'll come and I'll pick up the slack, but I will talk to you about it the entire time I'm doing it. Like, this is your job and I'm doing it only because if you look bad, we all look bad and I'm not going to look bad today, but like next time, let it not happen. And if you need help, you ask me before you get to this point and we can have those conversations. And at the end of the day, be like, okay, see you tomorrow. <laughs> and, it's, yeah, yeah. and it's fine, you know, and that's the culture that, that, you know, I've been able to create, but they're the ones that are carrying it forward. And I'm, I am grateful for it. I'm so, so, so grateful for it. That's probably the only thing that I would say I'm successful at. Yeah. Great. Awesome. And and here's one. What's your superpower? Something that's uniquely Lenore. That's your superpower um, that no one else possess. I think it's the ability to work the hours that I do and sustain it without any sort of caffeine in my body. Just <laughs> sheer power of will. <laughs> Oh, awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, it's, prob- it's probably that. <laughs> okay. And, and before I ask the last final four question, just out of curiosity, what's the next chapter look like? What is the next chapter for you? Because you can't do yes. this forever. You n- no. Newsflash, you cannot burn yeah. the candle from both ends into your 70s or 80s. <laughs> Sir, I know. I know. <laughs> um. I keep telling everyone I'm going to retire when I'm 40 and that's in eight years. So I can, I'll maintain this level of shenanigans probably for the next four or five years. Okay. And then really start to work on building out a succession and finding people who are going to be in these positions long-term and how to get the business to function on its own long-term so that I can focus on like myself and my, and my family. Um, But yeah, like the next for me, I mean, now and in the future, I, you know, Smiley mentioned it in my bio, currently working with Liftoff, which is an accelerator for Black entrepreneurs, um, helping them de-risk their business. Because uh, mm. it's tough out here for entrepreneurs, and it's even tougher for Black entrepreneurs. You know, a fear of credit, because we've seen how it's destroyed our families, our mm-hmm. parents, our grandparents, mm-hmm. and the inability to get credit just because we came out the womb looking like us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every everything like this, where you're like, you walk into a room and nobody looks like you, how do you navigate these... Um, how do you navigate these areas to ensure that your business is successful, that you're not compromising, you don't feel like you're... Um, you know, bending to the will of someone who doesn't look like you, who holds all the power just because they're in the, in the majority and you might be in the minority. Mm. Um, and that for me has been an incredibly um, empowering position to be in and, and something that I definitely want to lean into more going forward. Um, not because, you know, I've made it and pat myself on the back. No, because I'm in these trenches with you, but I'm just a little further ahead. So mm. if I can help you in any way, um, maybe miss the mistakes that I made or um, just be better set for success. And I want to do that because that's the kind of longevity that we need. And we don't have people that are necessarily um, putting in those resources and effort and time into making sure that the generations that are coming behind us, it's like, you don't have to go through the exact same pitfalls I went through. I'm going to build a little board. I'm going to put it over the hole. I'm going to teach you how to get over it. It's <laughs> so you can keep going and, you know, catch up to me and surpass me. Like, that would that would truly, I think, be the definition um, of success. To walk into a room and no longer be the only one who looks like me, mm. or like six, seven, eight other 
other ones of us that were just like, yeah, we see you. We know there are 40 million coming behind us. You know, like that for me would be, yeah, would be incredible. Great. And the reason I mentioned the chapter, the next chapter is because um, there's clearly, hopefully, hopefully a book inside of you. If you were to write an autobiography, what would the title be? Oh, I love this for you. Probably. <laughs> I love this for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love but, this for you. Or I hate that for me. Either one. Either I love this for you or I hate that for me. They're, they're, <laughs> that and I hate it here. These are all things that I say on a regular and consistent basis okay, uh, in my okay. daily life. Yeah, either I hate it here, or I love this for you, or I hate that for me. Either one of those. Well, I, I see oh. three books. I see three books. That's, 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 that's what I got from that. I see three uh, books. I did, too. I heard three titles. Three amazing titles. Is that what you heard, Smiley? Is that what you heard, Smiley? <laughs> or, or even, those are three podcast titles. Those are three podcast go. themes. I like that. There you go. There you go. You got options. Well, <laughs> well, Lenore, we, this has been most incredible, and we really appreciate you taking time to speak with us. I want to first tell you uh, the words I didn't hear is I'm special, but I'm so glad you responded to my Instagram because it made me feel special, even though it wasn't <laughs> expressed. And I thank you for that, that special feeling, and thank you for responding and being here, sharing your life and your amazing a journey, I mean, from London to Canada the, to New Zealand to an island in New Zealand that I've never heard of that I'm going to Google this afternoon. So thank you for sharing your life with us. And, and just to add to that, Lenore, you know, you mentioned earlier a moment ago that you have a lot of words. Uh, what, what's, mm. what I appreciate is how well you use them to illustrate your, your journey to this point. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get to your shop, but clearly I need to be there because me and Smiley are going to have to make a road trip or something. Road trip. Cause, yeah, because these, these little uh, cakes and pies and whatnot, Smiley, we got to make it happen. Lenora, thank you so much for be, being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I've really appreciated it. 